Welcome to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. Every week, she's bringing inspiring guests to help you embrace motherhood the cool mom way. Emily knows firsthand being a mom is hard AF, but she's passionate that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Shift your perspective on what it means to be a mom while learning practical tips and mom hacks you can use right away. Stay you while nailing the mom game. That's what being a cool mom is all about. Class is now in session. Here's your host, Emily Kylo. Thank you so much for joining me on the very first episode of Cool Mom 101. I started this podcast because being a mom brings all sorts of challenges, and it really doesn't come with any sort of manual. And that's kind of what I want Cool Mom 101 to serve as, something like a guidebook. There's a lot of figuring it out on the go, chatting with friends and family, and let's be honest, Instagram polls. And now there's this podcast too. I'm going to be chatting with moms and supporters of moms who are experts in areas like nutrition, sleep training, entrepreneurship, and so much more. For this first episode, I am joined by the amazing Ashley Belouz. In this episode, we chat about postpartum depression, dating after kids, how to start a business with a newborn, and what balance can look like as a mom and entrepreneur. All right, I won't keep you waiting any longer, and thank you again so much for tuning in to this first episode of Cool Mom 101. So today we have Ashley Belouz, who is a podcaster and yoga instructor at Kilter and Mint. On top of being an entrepreneur, Ashley has a beautiful daughter named Eden who, if you ask me, is the real star of her Instagram. (laughs) Ashley's positive energy is infectious, and she's absolutely hilarious. One of the things I love most about Ashley, aside from her humor and energy, is her ability to be open and vulnerable. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you, Emily. I'm excited to be here. Um, And full disclosure, I did not reach over the questions, even though I had asked for them. That's okay. Okay. That's okay. We're going to (laughs) jump right into them, though. Cool. So, these I like to call the mom fashions. So, first one. What's the best part of being a mom? Ooh, unconditional love. From Eden? Yes. Or for Eden? Ooh, both. Kind of both, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. What is the hardest lesson you think you've had to learn in motherhood or as being a mom? Ooh, I mean, like, there's so many. One is, like, you can survive without sleep. (laughs) Um that what your expectation of motherhood is, is not necessarily reality. That is so true. (laughs) Um, And that your child is their own little entity and being, so they have their own boundaries, not your boundaries. Great lessons. Mm -hmm. Definitely have learned, learning some of those as I go here. (laughs) Have you experienced mom guilt? And if so, what do you do to kind of overcome that? Ooh, mom guilt all the time. Um, I'm actually currently still on my longest stint away from Eden. So I was away in Palm Springs and then I was leading a workshop yesterday. So I see her today. Um, Any entire time that I've gone without seeing her, I've definitely been wondering how she doing? What is she doing without me? Is she sleeping? Um, So I've had a lot of guilt around doing something, um, which was a lot of pleasure for me. Right. So that is an ongoing thing. She's almost two. And, um, even when I was starting back 
teaching because uh, I started teaching yoga fairly soon after she was born. That was really hard. Um, and I find that the mom guilt really shines through when it's things that are for pleasure. So going out, getting my right. nails done, hanging out with my girlfriends, doing things that fill my cup up. Also, they're ones that I find on the um, scale of guilt is higher up there as well. Right. As opposed to, say, working, you don't feel the same amount of guilt. Is that what you... Exactly. Yeah. So when I'm working, there's a, it's almost like there's a purpose or there's a right. reason or there's something of a greater good that's going on. When I go and get my nails done, that's, that's purely enjoyment. Totally. <laughs> Those are some non-negotiables for me, though. Good. I always get my nails done. I think that was the first outing that I had without Leo. I went and got my nails done and I think he was 10 days old. And it's funny because I was very anxious the whole time. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're exclusively breastfeeding, I was so anxious. I was like, oh, what if he gets hungry? Mm-hmm. And it's so funny now already, six months in, I'm like, you know what? They'll sort it out. Exactly. <laughs> like, they'll be fine. And I think another piece of mom guilt comes back to trust. Um, so I knew that I had to trust my then partner, uh, with Eden and that was it. And it's not like I was one of those people who was going to stay at home all day and be, I don't want to say like stuck, but I wasn't about to stop the joy that I was getting out of these fun things. And I knew that I had to do that because I'd come back and be a better mom. Totally. I think that's such a good point and lesson to learn for sure. Okay. Last one of these opening questions here. Finish the sentence. Wine. (laughs) (laughs) that's the answer to all yes um so i'm a badass mom and i'm a badass mom and what how who it's harder than you think right I'm a badass mom and you are too. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I feel like hey, that's a cop out, it. but also very true. Hey, hey, we'll take it. Cheers. We may have some rosé here. So let's jump in. I want to talk a little bit about your business and you touched mm-hmm. on, I don't, I'm not too sure how, how old was Eden when you started teaching again? Uh, two months. Two months. Wow. That is, that is mm-hmm. early. I don't think I could have done that. Props to you. Well, the difference is when you teach yoga, it's a very small increment of time. A class is an hour. Maybe it takes 45 minutes to drive downtown, 45 minutes home, right? So it's actually a lot more sense. So if I go and I teach one class, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for my mental space. Mental health. Oh, a hundred percent. So how did you start Kilter and Mint and just give people an idea of what exactly your business is. Yeah. So Kilter and Mint is a twofold business. It is a combination of my yoga hustle as well as my podcast. Awesome. So I started, even before I was pregnant, I knew I wanted to start a podcast, but I just mm. didn't get around to it. And then I got everything set up um, after Eden was born. Like, hey, the things you do when you are you know, going through postpartum depression seemed like a great idea at the time. Um, but before that I started teaching yoga and that's when I created my business, um, because I didn't want it to be like Ashley Ballou's are all about me. I knew that this could be an octopus and take on different legs of directions. Right. I felt like that could have been a cool metaphor, but didn't really work out. That's fine. Um, so I knew you need six more businesses. Exactly. No, I'm good with two. Um, so for me, Uh, it started as a passion and if I made money from it, great. If not, I can also use it as tax write-offs and use my office, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
I created Kilter and Mint because I didn't want it to be the Ashley Blues show in terms of yoga and podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I got into it or started it because I saw a gap in the podcasting scene in Vancouver. So I listened to Joe Rogan, Fighter and a Kid, very male-centric yeah, podcasts, yeah. um, which are also hilarious and great. But I also knew that the I could combine my love of fitness and podcasting. So originally started being lifestyle and snapshot storytelling, which quickly it the storytelling dropped because no episodes shorter than an hour. Oops. Um, and that the whole fitness and lifestyle thing, we're so in it all the time in Vancouver that no one actually gives a fuck. No. Like we don't actually care. It's pretty saturated, isn't it? Yeah. And then what started coming out was these natural stories of people speaking the unspoken. So what is it about them that they maybe don't always share or maybe it's a little bit taboo that we could talk more about? Totally. Um, And so, yeah, it's just kind of woven into this way. On my podcast, I talk about yoga. And with yoga, I talk about the guests that I bring onto the podcast. So the two have just worked really nicely together. And it's been about two years of this, you know, kind of figuring shit out, not having a regular job um, journey. Right. That's awesome. Thanks. I love it. What advice would you give? So you mentioned you started this podcast when <laughs> your daughter was how old? Uh, well, I started really young. Yeah. So I bought all the equipment before she was born. Then I actually set up and started recording. I think she was three months old. Right. It was my first episode. Yes. And then the yoga part of Kilter and Mint, was that already started before? So I finished my teacher training when I was about six or seven months pregnant um, oh. and taught up until two weeks before giving birth. Uh-huh. That's um, so cool. And I started teaching um, on my own through friends, um, just having word of mouth mm-hmm. get out there. And then also because of my mentor, Ashley Broder, who started Philosophy. Yes. So I was really engaged with her business and behind what philosophy is um so started teaching for her and so when i you know gave birth she said hey you just tell me when you want to start right. up teaching again and we'll make it happen so she gave awesome. me the space to take time mm-hmm. but then i knew based on my mental health that i needed to start teaching again you needed that mm-hmm. so basically you started kilter and mint with a newborn yep so what advice would you have for moms who are thinking about you know, jumping into entrepreneurship or starting a creative venture like a podcast, like a blog. Yeah. What advice do you have for moms? Um, if you have one child or you're about to go on your first mat leave, I say no mat leave is complete without a start of a side hustle. (laughs) (laughs) And if you are listening to this and you have zero desire or you have your hands so freaking full with a newborn, don't, (laughs) you will know what's right for you. Um, for me, I'm the type of person who's always busy and doing stuff. So it seemed like a natural time to start. And the best advice that I ever received was, there is no good time to start. Just do it. I set my expectation really low of myself and of what this business could be. Mm-hmm. So then that way, I could explore it at my pace. It didn't have to be, I need to make this amount of money by this time. It was totally. like, I get to do this because it fills me up. It makes me a better mom. And I'm full of life. Yes. But any time that it started to drain me, which there's been different times, then I take a step back from it. Right. So you pull back, focus more on your daughter, Eden, by like, yourself. Yeah. Even yeah. the relationship I was in, yep. just seeing like, where am I dividing my time? And maybe at certain points, there are patches where it's not going to be on the business 
where there's times where Eden's doing really well and yes, maybe she's starting to sleep more, then hey, I can maximize that time. Right. You can spend some more time focusing on it. Yes. Cool. So one thing I know I really wanted to talk with everyone about Mm -hmm. was your journey with postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So you've been very open about it and... Personally, I I actually found a lot of help from speaking to you because I experienced baby... Now looking back, it was baby blues as I was really... Mm-hmm. But it was very... I was very deep in that feeling and I was very confused by a lot of the feelings I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And so Ashley and I had a few, couple conversations and she was so helpful to, for me that I feel like what you can share will be so helpful to anyone who's experiencing postpartum depression and or baby blues. Mm-hmm. So some of the thoughts that I was having, I get very scary when you have never heard anyone else talk about them. So I was lucky to, enough to have you and also my sister to kind of guide me a little bit and mm-hmm. mostly say like, that's normal. So things like I felt regret actually. And I was a, a bit appalled by that emotion. I thought, of it what's wrong with me oh my gosh so So, many women experience this I think about there's a few of us who had kids around the same time um and there was one girlfriend who was having a very similar experience where we were both like what did I just do um for her it was more like my life has completely changed for me I didn't have those feelings of my life's changed or remorse but I had such a hard time bonding with Mm. the baby right off the bat you think that it's going to be like a Huggies commercial where the baby comes out, they put the baby on your chest, and then the soft, sweet violin music is playing, and you two look into each other's eyes, and it's love. Well, this is still a new human being, and just like with any relationship, it takes time to grow. So some people have that instinct where it's an instant love, and for me, it took time to build up. Now, I would... I would do anything for that child. She is my golden angel baby princess. Like whatever she wants, the world is hers within limitations. Um, But it's crazy to think how I I think back to that time and how alone I felt and how isolating it was. Um, And unless you have friends who really know you or who've also been moms, it's hard to go through that. I think about one of my best friends, Justine, when she was going through... Um, her first bout with her kid, I didn't know how to support her because I never had kids. I didn't know what she needed. It's different when it's like a cousin, but when it's your friend experiencing this and I recognize now her cries for help, um, but I just didn't know it until I had a kid. Totally. And then when I was going through my really low bouts, she was so good because she had already experienced it. So she knew how to best support me. Um, wait, what was the question? That was pretty much it. I was just wondering if you could share a bit about your journey with postpartum depression. Yeah. And I guess how did you... Figure it out? Yeah. How did you kind of cope and learn to put one foot in front of the other? Gosh. Um, So my my postpartum depression started very acutely um, when three weeks after I gave birth, my then partner said, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. So, yeah, that's intense. It's, it's intense. It was shitty. Um, and I think there's also an aspect of where men don't necessarily have a level of support either becoming a new parent, um, that doesn't get addressed either. But for me, I was in this space where, holy shit, I've got this newborn baby. 
I'm still pretty much raw down there from childbirth. And now I'm also needing to save my marriage. So I just had so much going on that I couldn't even function. I stopped eating. I just was so sad and having, um, really, really sad thoughts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people like it's baby blues, it's baby blues, it's normal. But then I knew in my body what it wasn't. wasn't. Yeah. And there's something I'm like, this isn't right. This doesn't feel good. I didn't know who to turn to. Luckily, um, I went back and saw my delivery doctor who was like, Hey, that's really cute. This is not baby blues. I'm going to put you on some antidepressants because normal things we'd recommend for people who suffer from depression are enough sleep, eating properly, working out. And Hey, guess what? You just had a baby. So none of those are possible and you just need to function. So what my doctor told me was brush your teeth twice a day, keep your baby alive. And that's enough. She's like, if you can do those things, we're good. So that was my motto was, okay, I have to brush my teeth. I have to keep her alive and that's enough. And that's that. Yep. So I immediately went on antidepressants, mm-hmm. um, which really helped me stop crying on the floor every day. Yeah. And, and, and do that thing you were talking about, keep the daughter alive and brush her teeth like yep. that. You needed that. Yes. And I think that, um, once I heard from other parents that they too had these same feelings, I felt like I had that connection, that community, which pulls you out of isolation and created a sense of belonging. Because I wasn't feeling a sense of belonging in my marriage. I'm creating a new relationship with this baby. So like, holy shit, I'm so grateful for my support network who were there for me to really make me feel safe and seen. Totally. What helped you? Well, really, it was speaking to what you just said. I think I definitely, my expectations weren't that it was going to, quite that it was going to be a, you know, Huggies commercial Mm. with violins I wasn't there (laughs) but I think I have such high expectations of myself that I really thought with my type a organizational personality um and just I'm just up for a challenge so I'm like oh I'll be fine like I I mean I I won't get I won't be sleep deprived like it'll be fine (laughs) and of course that ridiculous notion I was sleep deprived and exhausted and Um, For me, the baby blues did come on just in that strongly in that kind of first few weeks. Mm -hmm. And I think what helped me the most was the talking to people. Because speaking about the sense of belonging, I felt so alone, more alone than you've ever experienced. And what is nuts about that is people will think, perhaps if you don't have children or whatever, or if you haven't experienced the blues or anything, you think, oh, you always have the baby with you. You're never alone. So it's such a weird experience to feel so alone, even though you have this little human with you 24-7. It's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. And also, um, you are often not physically alone, that there are other people with you. There's people who are coming and visiting you. You have the support of your family. But there's something around this isolation in motherhood that it's the late nights when you're up breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. It's the scrolling through Instagram and seeing, you know, what your life was Mm -hmm. and you made this choice. And then that little bit of guilt and all the rest that comes along with it. Um, yeah, it can also be quite isolating because you don't have those people you talk can talk to who've been there. Totally. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever experienced this too, but I had a little bit of guilt around 
the idea that you're supposed to be so happy because you have a baby and there's Mm -hmm. people who struggle with fertility and can't have kids of their own or whatever it is. So I always had a slight amount of that too, where I was kind of like, suck it up, Emily. Some people try for this for years. And anyways, that was hard to navigate as well. Mm -hmm. But for me, definitely talking to people who had been through it made me feel not alone. And, And like I wasn't some asshole who was a monster because I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I feel regret right now. There's something wrong with me. That's not right. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to people and other people were like, oh yeah, no, I, I, I thought there was like a return to sender available. Like, can I return this kid? And I was like, thank goodness. It reminds me of, um, so, did you ever watch Arrested Development? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when he, the, um, I don't know, I think it's Job and he goes, I've made a terrible mistake. And the narrator's like, indeed, he had made a terrible mistake. Like, yeah, that's what it feels like, like. like, 100%, like the narrator, like, oh my God. Yeah. And what's funny is like, you and I are very social creatures, so that social aspect never stopped pre and post, so we always had people around, but still, you had that isolation. 100%. So imagine someone who is more introverted than us or who doesn't have as big of a social network, how alone they must feel too. It would be even harder. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what, what would your advice be actually for anyone who is feeling like they might have postpartum depression or even baby blues? Mm-hmm. What would you tell them they should think about doing? Um, go get help. Talk to your doctor. Reach out to Emily and I. We are resources mm-hmm. for you. Um, and that if you are having any thoughts that seem very unlike yourself, whether it be from harming yourself, harming your baby, harming your partner, um, and doesn't mean you're putting anything into effect or planning anything, but these thoughts are coming up, go talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Um, what I've also been learning is that there is a major scale when it comes to baby blues and postpartum depression. So whether you're experiencing mild baby blues or maybe you think you have postpartum depression, but you're not on the extreme of, say, me, where mine was like very extreme, very acute, that still doesn't mean you aren't worthy of getting help. That's such a good point because I felt that exact thing. And I was like, oh, I knew this is the thing. I knew myself. I knew it wasn't, likely wasn't full-on postpartum depression. But I had so many of those similar feelings. So I did. I, I see a, a therapist for it mm-hmm. because that, that that is what helps me and talking to others, like I said. So yeah, just it, it's a scale. It doesn't matter. You're on the scale means you deserve help. And what we are doing as mothers and the work that you're doing, it's a lot. Even if you have a quote unquote easy baby, it shit don't matter. It's still a newborn. You still need help. A and, lot. Yeah. And even if it means talking to your doctor and you leave feeling a little bit better, maybe you get prescribed an antidepressant um, or anti-anxiety medicine. Great. There's no shame in that. I'm still on antidepressants and I have zero shame about it because, hey, this helps me function and I can be my best self. Mm-hmm. And not only for you, but for your child too. Oh yeah. For you first and foremost, but for people who are worried about that, it, it helps you to be a better parent and mother as well. So yeah, I agree. There's no shame in that whatsoever. And like you just mentioned earlier, when 
you're an, especially a new parent. So you have a newborn, you can't do a lot of the other things. Like you can't exercise for quite, I didn't feel like exercising until, and I knew I wanted to around six or seven weeks and I felt like it. I was like, I need to, I cannot wait. But you know, up until that point, you don't want to exercise. And even then you're not exercising much. Well, so I started working out 10 days after giving birth. <laughs> Why? Which, um, I just, I needed it emotionally. Right. I didn't need it for the physical health. I needed it for the mental health, which also when you work out too soon after giving birth, it messes with your hormones. It can, um, if you have any form of diastasis recti, it can increase it. You, you know, your pelvic floor needs to continue to heal. So there's just so many other things that when someone says don't work out this soon after giving birth, whether it be C-section or vag, um, don't <laughs> go for a walk. Yeah. That's, you know, that's it. That's all you need to do. So I will say I went into my birth knowing that I was going to sit my ass still for at least a month. Good. The only thing I did for the first month, I did do some walking, but mm-hmm. not even much. And I will tell you, my, like my body healed up so well. I mm-hmm. don't have other experiences to compare it to, but it feels like I got back to what felt like my pre-pregnancy self. Mm. In that regard, quite quickly. Like, it didn't feel like it took too long. Which is interesting that you say pre-pregnancy self. So my girlfriend, Justine, who I've already referenced like eight times. We love you, Justine. We love you, Justine. She came up with this really cool theory about um, actually instead of bouncing back, you're bouncing forward. I'm so down with that. I never, I don't like to use the terminology get your body back. So I'm, I'm with that because I'm like, my body's not lost. No. Um, I spent the healing though. It like, I healed really well. Yes. So that was, I think because I sat still, which is hard for me. Yeah. You took the time. I did. I took the time. I'm like, your body's going to be different. Like after you birth a human, look how big your stomach gets. And then afterwards, and then you've got these giant swollen engorged boobs, whether you breastfeed or not. Like, holy shit, I went from an A to a D. I'm like, what are these things on my body? I've never never had them before. If you've never had them, that would be super weird. Yeah, I mean, because you've always had boobs. But, like, for me, I've always been on the itty-bitty titty club. And so to have these, like, I felt like Pamela Anderson. They were, like, giant and, like, shiny because of how big they were. Like, my skin looked almost... Like, it wasn't stretching, but it was just on the border. So I was like, ah, cocoa butter. I'm like, I don't want stretch marks. But yeah, it's a different, your body's just different. Yep, totally. And you know what the boobs thing? I, so Ashley said, I, I've always had boobs. <laughs> uh, and I was not interested in any boob growth, but here I am like four sizes bigger or something. It's, it's crazy. Yep. That change, I was like, oh, all right. I wasn't really expecting that, but here you are. Here you are. Hello. Here. Hello, breasts. Yeah, hello. Um, one thing I was curious to talk about as well was how you've been finding we're switching gears here yeah how you've been finding dating after having a baby so um well i have some updates on dating oh i'm engaged what no i'm i'm pulling your leg oh my god i was like uh no i'm totally fucking around i wish you guys could have seen my face (laughs) you were like did not believe that one second i think she's joking (laughs) um so i've been single um for almost a year now Mm -hmm. and i our marriage was pretty much defunct right away um really yeah well i mean like how do you come back from saying i love you 
but I'm not in love with you. Oh, from that point. No, no, you do not. You know, that's pretty, pretty tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, so after we moved apart, I took a lot of time and I'm still taking time, um, going to therapy, taking care of myself and having low expectations of dating. Mm-hmm. Now, usually after my second glass of wine, I'll download Tinder, Bumble or Hinge or re-download them. Cause I'll be like, fuck this. I don't need it. So I'll delete the apps. And after I have a glass of wine, I'm like, well, let's just see what's out there. Um, and I have on, so I'm on Tinder, Bumble and Hinge and I have it on there that like, yeah, I've got a kid. Like it's pretty clear. Um, and so I was recently in Palm Springs and I was talking to this guy who's in Vancouver. We had plans to meet up and go for a dog walk and I was starting to get feels. I was like, Oh, I'm like, this guy seems pretty cool. We're Mm -hmm. talking about some great conversations. He's not being pervy. Um, and it's clear on my profile that I have a child. And then we were talking about like past relationships or why we're single. And so I like alluded to the fact and he's like, hold up, you have a kid. And I was like, yes, I do. Is that a deal breaker? And he's like, yeah, sorry. And in my mind, I'm like, Hmm. okay, I like, I know he's looking for a relationship. I know he's not looking for a booty call. And I was like, that really sucks that I'm not even giving, getting the chance. Because you already have a child. Yeah. And this is part of my life. She's going to be part of it forever. And I'm not looking for someone to be my next husband. I'm not looking for someone to be her stepfather. I'm not looking for you to fill any shoes. And it's unfortunate because, well, it's fortunate that I know that I'm a catch, but it's unfortunate that they don't get to know that. Yes. And what's also hilarious is that I have um, a preconceived bias around dads on, on dating sites. Do you? I'm just like, meh, okay, you've got a kid. Meh, and you keep swiping. Really? Which is funny because I'm a mom. I know. Why, why do you think that is? baggage <laughs> so just the the fact that you've been through what you went through yeah think, and i'm and like it... and now i don't want to deal with somebody else who's dealing with the same shit or has something like right. that um so i have been on one date um and he also dated other women with kids so he knew what he was getting into yeah. but the connection wasn't there um so i'm just saying my expectations really low mm-hmm. um and if I hope something will happen organically and in person and I'm not looking to get married. I mean, I would like to have a nice long-term relationship like one a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would lead to marriage. Um, but where I'm at right now, I'm like, okay, I've got so much transition happening. We'll see what happens. Totally. But I also hear this from other women who are single and mothers. Mm-hmm. I co-parent, so I'm not a single mom, but I am single and a mother. Yes. So... It's, they, I hear it from them as well is that, Hey, as soon as people find out you have a kid, they kind of just, it, it, it's, I'm not going to lie and not put on there that I have a child that's I'm not going to hide away from it. Cause that's also like gross. Yeah. But then on the flip side, I'm like, I want people to see me for me, not because I have a child. That is hard. So because the, of course Eden is such a huge part of your life. Yeah. So you would, like you said, you're never going to want to shy away from that. And it's unfortunate. But I think the the person who you should be with, they will get to know you outside of that. I yes. really do think that. I just stopped myself mid-thought. And I was like, you know what? The person who is going to be a good partner to you, they will. They'll yeah. want to get, 
get to know you. When I posted on my Instagram story of me doing like middle fingers being like to the guy who stood me up or whatever and the amount of comments that I got one from all my friends thank you <laughs> you're welcome um, yeah thank you Emily <laughs> um but what it, a lot of people were saying was like hey he just weeded himself out 100% and I'm like you're right and it's just hard because it is a form of rejection and what it's is? not even like feel like it's rejecting me but also in a little bit you're rejecting my family yeah, yeah which I'm also like screw you if that's how you feel literally middle finger up. yeah do you follow create the love on Instagram okay so this is not an ad by the way um is it local Mark Groves is awesome he's kind of a relationship expert I would Would you say create create the love oh have you seen him before so he it just reminded me that he posted he's posted about this a lot but when this is a new phenomenon of our era is ghosting oh my god ghosting i mean so (laughs) so you didn't get ghosted but here's the thing he says this that same idea that if someone's gonna ghost you thank them because they've just weeded themselves out yeah you know what you don't want you don't want a ghost when you're already married and you know you you think you you might want to stay with this person and then they ghost. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> let them <clears throat> but let them weed themselves out. Yeah. That's actually it. Good day, sir. Goodbye. And See you never. And never. <laughs> Smell you later. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I mean, we'll see. I just had finished recording a podcast with Jeremy Vaughn, um who one is a mega babe and two um was very candid with his story. Mhm. And I asked him how his story is affecting like his dating life and stuff like that. And he's like, well, you know, if it does affect it, then that person's not the right person. And the way that he was able to decipher his story, what happened to him, his experience and who he is now is like, for me, a piece that I could take and use um, in terms of like, I'm not letting my story and that shitty experience, what happened to affect my future relationships. Yes. And affect me moving forward. And I know there's some greater good. And I'm glad I'm not in the relationship that I was in before. No. Why Why would you want that? I mean. Ain't nobody got time for that. Mm-mm. I think it's hard, though, when you have been hurt in a relationship to not paint dating and guys with a similar brush. It takes time. Oh, my God. Or the fact I that, think. like my first few experiences of trying to navigate dating have also been shitty so far. Yes. You know, like I'm not getting sent dick pics, which is great. But at the same time, I'm also like, why am I not getting sent dick pics? Like what's wrong with me? Are you, you're worried that you're not getting, <laughs> I'm not, I don't get any, like, I'm not saying I want a dick pic, but at the same time, I'm like, like, do you not find me attractive? <laughs> we used to make so much fun of like when that would happen, when guys would send dick pics. We're just like, What? in the world would make you think I would like to see your dick right now. I know. It's so insane. Someone, I forget where I heard this, but they were saying, you know what you should do is you should just send another dick pic back. Oh my God. And then say, what? I thought we were just exchanging dick pics. No? (laughs) I thought that was so great. I really like that. No? Not exchanging dick pics? No. All right then. Anyways, unsolicited dick pics are a hard no for me. The ever... The other thing I just read, um, when someone makes like, it was a ginger walking down the street and this guy says, you know, does the drape or does the carpet match the drapes? And what she did was like, excuse me? He's like, does the carpet match the drapes? And she's like, I don't understand. 
And so she <laughs> made him explain the joke fully, obviously knowing it, but then to see him go, it's so uncomfortable. Uh, uh, uh. I mean, eh, uh, uh. and the same thing, like when someone makes like something slightly racist or sexist or whatever, getting them to explain it. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah. What exactly are you saying? It is the most uncomfortable thing in the entire world. That's actually a good one. I'm going to use that wherever you got that from. That's great. Mm, like a meme somewhere, probably Grace Club. <laughs> probably scrolling Instagram. Yes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Something I was really curious to ask you about as well is from your Instagram. It seems like you and your mom are very, very close Ugh. and have like a very, very, you can see it through the gram sometimes, guys. <laughs> and it seems like you guys have a very special and close relationship. Yeah. So if you could talk a little bit about that. And I was wondering if you could mention maybe what you've taken from her parenting style. So mm. is your parenting style like hers? Hmm. So TT is a saint. Um, TT. TT. We call her TT. Her name's Aww. Teresa. Um, but she goes by TT for the last twenty years, uh, and she's fantastic. When she saw that my marriage was falling apart, she was in the midst of looking for a new place to live, mm. and she preemptively bought a larger townhome so that Eden and I could have a place to live. Like, makes me want to cry. Like I was like, like, I, I think I'm going to cry right now. Yeah, and she knew what she was doing. She's like, I knew I just wanted to have a place for you to live. Um, my mom was a psych nurse for 24 years. Wow. So she understands the inner workings of depression, mental health, and, like, narcissism and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, I've been very fortunate to have this place to fall back to when my marriage ended. Yes. Um, when when Eden was going through like a really rough time with sleeping, she would get up and help me in the middle of the night. Like there were nights where oh I just couldn't God. do it. And her as a 50 something grandma would be like, it's okay. I've got it. And I just felt so supported. And it was just, Oh, shout out to Titi. Yeah. So everyone knows her as Titi. She and Eden have the most incredible relationship. Um, so even Eden calls her Titi. And then when she, Oh my God, when she <laughs> doesn't so sleep, she'll be like, mommy, mommy. TT and she'll cry out for <laughs> somebody, somebody come get me TT. Um, so I'm really grateful to be able to spend this interim time while I get back on my feet with her. Um, she's also a fantastic cook as well. Oh my goodness. And um, her, so she was a single mom um, from the time I was about six months old. My dad was oh, not in the picture. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he took off. He was never in the picture and she and my grandparents um, were really fantastic at raising me. Um, I had my father figure through my grandpa. Mm-hmm. My Oma and I are still really close to this day. And she um, she had to make a lot of sacrifices and she also had to do a lot of things to put her career first as a single mom to make money. So what I saw growing up was like, well, my relationship with my mom is so different because I never had a dad, but she also took the time out where she was very much a friend to me. So I hope in my parenting style that Eden sees that I value work, but also that I can be her friend as well as her mom. And I can be the confidant and I'll be there to be really understanding of whatever she's going through. Um, My mom, whenever I got in trouble, I would have to write out what I did wrong. And I would have to be like, "This um, this is what I learned from it. So it was very much a cerebral experience in terms of punishment um, it wasn't necessarily a timeout. It wasn't a spanking. It was really understanding the impact of what I did. So That's I hope so 
cool. Like I, she still has a note, which is the most hilarious thing. When I was in grade eleven, what'd you do? I drank a two six of tequila and got loser drunk and was like throwing up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who hasn't done know, that really? Right. Um, uh, and I was so hungover the next day. It was a weekday that I couldn't go to school because I was so physically ill. And she made me write out, I have a pact that I will never drink tequila again and still like signed and dated. And she still has it. And do you drink tequila? Well, I mean, I don't do like, <laughs> I don't drink I just... a bottle, but I'll have a nice, I'll have a nice margarita here and there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like that was really formative in terms of my learning. And I think even just how I interact with other people, I want people to see when they've done something wrong and understand what it means. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just like the relationship there is awesome. And I don't think I would have been able to get through this breakup um, or get back on my feet so quickly if it wasn't for her. Wow. Yeah. TT. I know. Shout out to TT. What a gem. Shout out. Yeah. It's so funny because like, um, I was just in Palm Springs with one of my girlfriends, Anita, for this big like women's retreat. And my mom's like, have the best time with Anita. And I'm like, thanks, mom. She's never met Anita before, but I'm just like, you're the best. So she, you know... She can hang out with my friends too without it being weird. Right. Yeah. She sounds freaking awesome. Yeah, she would she would be here having rose with us. Oh, where's TT at? Next time, next time we'll bring her in. Yes. <laughs> would you actually do that'd be kind of cool. So some doing a little interview with her. So so I've had a few requests to interview TT. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, I think it might you be. You should. Good. That would be so cool. But I'm also afraid that I'll be like, Mom, you're embarrassing me. You're like, Mom, hurry up, you know? Will you though? I don't know. You can keep it profesh. Yeah. I have faith. What's your relationship like with your mother? We're very close um, as well. And I think my mom, she's been probably the person, one of the people for sure that I've turned to the most in these beginnings of becoming a mom. Mm. Uh, So I feel lucky that I've had her to kind of turn to and sometimes just be like, I'm kind of lonely or... I need some help this week. Can you come help me and like hang out with me? Is she in West Van? Langley. Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. I always, for, because we work together in North Van, I automatically assume your family's you in North Van. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of people that worked there, their families were in North Van. Why were you in North Van? Um, I think because of who the manager was. Because ah. Jenna was the manager. Yeah. yeah. So I knew her. So that's why. That's okay. why I started over there. Yeah. Get but it. moms are just the best. And I think... One thing I will say, when I became a mom six short months ago, um, <laughs> and every day since almost, I have appreciated my mom more than I ever thought imaginable. Mm-hmm. And I only can assume that this will continue because you go through different stages with your kids. Um, speaking of drinking a two six when they're in their teenage years. Oh my God. I mean, no. bless my mom for dealing with me. Um, so yeah, I, I think I have this amazing sense of appreciation for my mom that I did not have anywhere near the same level before. And I think that's been really cool too. Totally. Mm -hmm. Have you felt like that? Oh, 1000%. Like, how did they do it? I don't know. And like, how did she do this? Also, how did she do this at 24? She was 24. Yeah. That's young to, for me. It's young for everybody. Well, yeah. like not our parents' generation. Not our parents' generation. But for like, I was thirty when I had Eden. I'm like I can't even twenty four. I was still an idiot. Yeah, 
I say most people are, no offense. There's exceptions, but until around 27, 28. Totally. I think. I think you just start to come a little more into your own and you understand, speaking about the impact you have, you, you start to really understand that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And you just aren't as consumed with a lot of bullshit. I most mean, people, I most, think. Yeah, most people. <laughs> <laughs> the same amount as when you're, you know, 21. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you think, though, are you not kind of happy that you grew up without social media? Are you kidding me? Like, me, every single day. Me and my best friend talk about that. We're like, our lives would have been ruined if the stupid things that we did. <laughs> me and Amberly, we talk about it often. We would have been ruined if people... You know, think about these parties you were at doing these things. Oh my God. Thank God for no Snapchat. Like the the days of ICQ and MSN Messenger talking to some rando in New York or Mumbai. Like those seem tame, right? I know. It seems tame. Although those live chat conversations when you're 16 and learning about blowjobs from like 40 year old men. So, so weird. Actually speaking about that, not specifically that, but raising a daughter in the age of social media Mm -hmm. have you started to think about that or do you even want to touch that yet oh yeah um so she already knows how to uh like on the new iphone you know in messages you can look and change your face into oh look tinder you've unlocked a free game of super likable play (laughs) on play oh my goodness thanks tinder um on your messages, you can change your face to like a dragon or a ghost or whatever, and right. it mimics your face. So she'll pick up my phone and she'll go, Mummy Monkey, because she wants to be the monkey and she wants to send it to like Auntie Joni and Auntie Mercedes. And she's f- very quick with technology. Um, she can navigate from Paw Patrol on YouTube over to Elmo, over to like some squash bubble game. And she's Almost two. I was going to say, she's not even two yet. No, she turns two on Tuesday. And for me, my mind goes to, holy shit. If she's able to do this now, what is she going to do when she's older? So my big teaching or thing that I want to instill upon her is boundaries. Yes. I think that if I knew what my personal boundaries were and what they felt like in my body, I wouldn't have done so many drugs when I was younger. I wouldn't have entered into maybe not the most healthiest of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want her to know what her boundaries are. So That's awesome. what I've started to do, it doesn't have to do with social media yet, but instead of saying, go give auntie a hug or go give someone a kiss, I'll say, do you want to? And it was again, auntie Justine, who I was like, go give Tante a hug. And she's like, no, if, you if like she to. wants to, she can't, if she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to. And that comes back to when you asked me about like, what has motherhood taught me? It's that each child has their own boundaries and that's like my area to respect that about her. So she can learn that herself and not have like some weird relationship with authority or men or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she'll be really confident in saying no when the time comes. That is so powerful. And that is the one thing I don't know where I picked it up from some parent around me, obviously was talking about that and it clicked so well for me because I remember times when, you know, someone say, Oh, make sure, you know, go give them a kiss or go give them a hug. And I didn't feel even me, who's very outgoing 
and I like touch as a person, speaking of different levels of boundaries. Yeah. And I can remember feeling like, actually, I prefer to not. And I think that that's such a good idea to teach, be teaching Eden that it's up to you. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's okay if you don't want to. Yeah. And that doesn't make her a, a bad kid or anything like that. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I like that a lot. And it, I think it just comes from seeing that through other parents and their experiences and just kind of picking up on the very subtleties. And what I learned this past week is how much I value language. Um, when you teach someone a yoga class and how you instruct and the language you use has such a powerful tool to get people in their body or can also irritate them or trigger them um, with so many other things. So for me, language is everything and I want to make sure that I can instill that upon her. Um, and yeah, when it comes to social media, I'm just like, fuck, you're not going to have a phone until you're 30. Good luck. That's your, that's your line. Well, that, that'll be my line. And here, just like what my mom did to me, here's a bag full of quarters and you can call me from a payphone. That is amazing. <laughs> so that's your going to be your strategy. That will be my strategy. No or cell phone and use payphones, which there probably won't be any by the time she No, does. I mean, there's barely payphones now. <laughs> She'll probably, it's probably more dangerous for her to go and try and find a payphone. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. They're always in like the weird sketchy areas now too. I know. And they're always vandalized. I know. Always. <laughs> like what is going on? Also germs. <laughs> Ew. um one thing i wanted to ask you as well was do you believe speaking about being a mom and having your business yeah do you believe in balance is that a thing for you i'm reading this book called work wives and in it it's about the relationship that women have with each other when they co-run a business or it's their their friendship and how their business can really be elevated through um, their relationship to one another. And one concept that a woman shared was, um, I have no balance and I also have so much balance. So this notion of balance will be an ebb and flow and will always look different. I think for me, I know what balance feels like in my body. Um, because when I'm out of balance, I can't sleep. I get this really, really beautiful thing called neurodermatitis, which is a physical rash because of anxiety. So I'll just turn like red all over my neck and now it's starting to get onto my face when it's really bad it's super cute um (laughs) and i just feel that anxious feeling and that's why i know i'm out of balance right and you know something needs to be shifted yep so whether it be with like my time management whether it be with business or whether it be some like personal shit that's going on it doesn't really matter it's just like you know that i need to come back to that equilibrium 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 yep you got it um yeah and my homeostasis because my homeostasis will look different compared to somebody else 100 percent. and i think you and i are very similar because we're very high functioning type a we get shit done and we're also extroverts mm-hmm. so our level of balance on the outside looks one way versus what's actually going on or when we come home mm-hmm. is going to be totally different totally and i don't know if you've find this but I, I mean I'm definitely extroverted however I need at least an hour where nobody's talking to me mm-hmm. each day somewhere mm-hmm. around there and no one's touching me and so it's <laughs> interesting I've I've found that I need I need that recharge even though I am so extroverted and if I don't have a lot of time socializing with people I don't feel good either mm-hmm. but I also need that time to not talk to anyone <laughs> So let me, let me switch the tables on you Mm -hmm. and with you starting your podcast, 
Mm-hmm. And with being a mom to a six-month-old Leo, what does balance look like right now? Like, what does mm-hmm. balance this week look like? Yes. And while you answer that, I'm grabbing more wine. Yes, please. <laughs> Don't forget my glass. I will not. I think for me, I was feeling like something was missing, not having more of a creative outlet. So in my work, Mm. I often, I work in public relations, marketing, and so I often have certain creative things that I'm doing in my work, plus adding the social aspect. When I'm at work, I have tons of people to talk to. So those things definitely fill me up. So when the work piece was gone... I found those things were missing a bit. Mm -hmm. So the podcast for me was something I had always thought about doing. And similarly to you, it kind of felt, it kind of pushes you in into a corner a little bit where you're like, okay, I could sit here and do the same thing every day with this six month old, or I could start this thing that I've been thinking about doing for many months. So it just felt like the right time. And it was something to fill up my kind of creative cup and social cup, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about that creativeness that was a huge piece because I don't feel like I'm necessarily a creative person, but I really love to execute. So I can take other people's ideas and execute them versus a podcast, I'm still taking your idea. I'm still taking whatever you're sharing as a guest and then I get to execute it. So it's not all about you or I as hosts, but we get to create something as like a mini project that we have tangible um, results from. Totally. Is that them or is that someone else? No. Okay. I cool. think we're good. Great. Ashley was just wondering if it was the boys returning home, but not quite. Not quite. <laughs> we're good. And I think for me with starting this specific type of podcast is because it's really, I do want it to be primarily for moms to look to and for people and this has come up a bit people who want to understand the moms around them too Mm -hmm. so I like that so my friends have even asked me so many times you know am I are we doing the right things like are we helping you the right way because none of them have kids so I think for the support systems and partners that kind of thing I think it can be really good but I think this podcast I really wanted to have an outlet that would help other moms too Mm -hmm. because as we spoke about I'm fortunate to have a a pretty big circle so I wanted to create something that was more like that kind of circle and place to learn and place to share but that was going to go on a bigger scale and that you can just listen to it on iTunes or whatever when you feel like it yes and you don't need to know me in person um I was shocked at my audience and when I looked at the people who were most engaged it's actually other moms which in my mind, I'm like, that's not the avenue I want to go down. That's not the route because I'm like, who has time as a mom? And then I saw like you would post about listening while Leo was napping or my friend Jen or my friend Tess. And they're all new moms. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked by how they took the time out to do this. Um, and I think that was also a piece of camaraderie because they wanted to support me. Totally. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, so moms can actually listen to podcasts too. and I think that helped me figure out that this was a good kind of space as well Mm. to get into. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up here. So I have two final questions for you. So thinking over the past week or so, what would you say was your biggest mom win? And I think I kind of know because you kind of talked about it. 
and your biggest mom fail? Ooh, okay, biggest mom win. Um, I'm going to toot my own horn with being away from Eden for the longest amount of time. Yay! <laughs> That's what I, I was like, I bet she'll say that. Yeah. And it's good. Good for you. Yeah. Um, biggest mom fail. Uh-oh. I have to throw out all of Eden's bath toys because I didn't squeeze out the water and they grew mold in them. Oh. <laughs> See, I would have never known that. Yes. Yeah, so you just gave me a hot tip. So I had no idea. you got to squeeze the water out of the bath toys. Otherwise, mold grows in there. Mm. And you can only have them for a certain amount of time. And she's teething. So, like, I know she's going to put her mouth on everything, um, which is pretty so gross. now she gets some new bath toys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I feel like there's always a lot of mom fails. But there's also but a lot of mom wins. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the point. It's all, it's all good. I feel like I fail and win almost on an hourly basis. So <laughs> I think, don't, you know, you don't get too attached to them in a way. Celebrate yes. the wins and I laugh at most of my fails and just move on from exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to sincerely thank you for being here. It's been so nice to chat with you. And I think people are really going to enjoy hearing about your story because it is super relatable. And if that story can help anyone at all, I'm all for it. And where's the best place to connect with you? So if people want to connect with you, learn about you more, where should they find you? Um, You can find me on my website, kilterandmint.com. On Instagram, Kilter and Mint or Ash Blues, A-S-H-B-L-U-Z. Um, you can find the Kilter and Mint podcast on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or any other major podcast providers. Um, or come to my classes. I teach at the Garden Strathcona on Hastings Street. Um, I teach something called The Philosophy, which is a combination of yoga and massage. And it's honestly unreal. Oh. I tell everyone, if you haven't experienced it, you should. I it's w- awesome. I was assisting my friend's class yesterday, um, and I was doing hands-on for her, and I'm like, God damn it, I need to do another, I need to do my own class. Yeah, get on into it. So, my turn. Uh, yeah, so come check it out. Let's be friends. If you have any questions whatsoever, big or small, or something that you don't know who you can turn to, um, I will be a resource for you no matter what unbiased I got you back hundred percent and I can attest to that she does and I will (laughs) I will actually link the episodes where you talk about postpartum depression because I found those really useful for myself oh thanks so I'll link those in the show notes so you guys can check them out too because I found those really helpful awesome thank you so much um and good luck with your podcast don't forget to like and subscribe to cool mom 101 (laughs) amazing thanks Ashley (laughs) thank you Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.